0: we detach from things, systems, ideas that have not been supportive, a lot of times it requires a shift in identity. And so we look at what are your attachments to your identity and what does your identity actually mean? Because you can have the same identity, but have it mean something else, which means that you perceive the world in a different way and you can show up in a different way. This is the What Is Sexy podcast. Here, we are exploring sexy in every possible way so that you can experience and embrace your own sexy as you define it. Join us with guest experts and friends from around the world as we discuss sexiness and the sexy self as a gateway to mind-body-spirit healing, intuitive intelligence, and self-actualization that permeates every area of our lives. Today I am being interviewed by my godmother Linda Dyson who was once given the key to Atlanta the city <laughs> and today is a life coach with an extensive history in the music industry as an entrepreneur as an engineer she is fascinating and wonderful and I'm so blessed that she said yes to the request
1: we are Changing
0: roles today,
1: so I'm so excited to be here because I have known Lissara ever since she was in diapers. <laughs> that, yes, she did wear them, and she wore them really, really well.
0: Oh, why, thank so, you. I think so. I I didn't know. <laughs> so Lissara was, is a Forbes
1: featured entrepreneur and sound healer and vocal channel. She hails from a rich ancestry of both medicine women and civil rights educators who worked with Martin Luther King Jr. in the 1960s. Imagine that. So global audiences as large as 15,000 people have experienced her dynamic multilingual live performances. Lasara founded Sexy Self-Actualized and Sexy Sound Healing, the world's first channeled music tech and set actualized platform for people who think differently and are ready to change their lives to embody their true nature their true potential and i love that i love that as a as a life coach myself if everybody in the world were self-actualized i believe the world would be a different
0: place oh Um, my goodness a hundred percent a hundred percent i think yeah
1: all war is is frustration, it's pent up identity. Um mm. needing a place to go, I think. It needs you say all war? All war, all strife, all arguments. Mm. I believe. Mm. What do you think?
0: I love that concept about war. That I've never thought of it specifically that way, but When I think about the concept of dis-ease or disconnection, we are so taught to be disconnected from our own intrinsic power. And we're taught to look for it outside of ourselves. We're we're also socialized to believe that power is something that is externalized, meaning power over or under or with another, Mm -hmm. as opposed to understanding that we are inherently powerful much more powerful than we've ever been taught to believe. And I say this because so much of war is about power, right? Struggling for resources and all of these ideas of external things that create power. So yeah, I really love what you said. And I hadn't thought of that direct link, but I absolutely agree.
1: Yeah, I know for me, most of my issues come from struggling. It's struggling to somehow make the idea of who i think i ought to be hmm. based upon what everybody else says i should be and have it aligned with who i truly am
0: aha uh-huh. you've known me of course but you're basically telling my life story that journey to coming home to the truth of ourselves
1: mm-hmm. I know you've done a lot of work. I know you've done a lot of work in forensic linguistics. It's a really amazing term. I'm not sure if everybody knows what it means. (laughs) I'm not sure if I even know what it means. I know you got a lot of degrees in it. And it's apparently a place where a lot of people who are really smart hang out. It's in forensic. Or at least a few. Forensic
0: (laughs) linguistics. So can you tell me more about this? It's so funny when I was getting... When I was in grad school for this degree, I remembered meeting people on the street and, or wherever. And when I would say that I was studying forensic linguistics, they would go, dead people talk. And I'm like, wait, what? Does that make sense to you? Because that doesn't make what you just said makes no sense to me. <laughs> That's
1: me. That was me. I thought, OK, she's going to the CIA or <laughs> FBI. I did have a professor who very much
0: wanted me to join the CIA. I chose not to. (laughs) And I did study with the FBI linguist who broke the Unabomber case. So you're in the right vicinity in terms of uh, applications of the work. Forensic linguistics simply spoken is so linguistics, the study of language. And then anytime you put forensics in front of another field, it simply means the application of that field, in this case, language to the law and legal system. Mm. Now, because language is everywhere, forensic linguists do a lot of different things within that intersection. So there are some who are actually reviewing the language of the legal system of courts, of justice, et cetera. There are people who are advocating uh, linguistic rights for those who maybe don't speak English or need uh, signing support, etc. Uh, where I focus is this area called authorship attribution. And oh my gosh, it's so fun. It's like ling, <laughs> okay, language detective to... work. So oh, wow. essentially the idea, I haven't talked about this in so long. This is, <laughs> <laughs> this is exciting.
1: I've never heard about any of this, you guys. Ladies and gentlemen, this is like a first time. This is a premiere. <laughs> I have no idea what she's talking about, but let's stick with her.
0: <laughs> so with authorship This simply means when you are reading something, understanding who wrote it, simply put. Or if you're hearing something, who said it, okay? And what's so fascinating is that there are so many linguistic markers, indications of, or clues, if you will, hints that provide information about a person based on how they use language. The thing that's always fascinated me about language itself is that language reflects the culture and the beliefs and values of those who speak it and this is why we have different variations of the same language within different cultural contexts or with even within different educational contexts right or different friend groups because they develop a, a shared language that reflects and represents them so language is a beautiful mirror into oneself and looking at authorship, I was trained to, <laughs> um, to be able to read what someone wrote or hear what someone said. This is not handwriting analysis. This is linguistic <laughs> analysis. Must Can't make that, that distinction. Everybody.
1: It is not.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Important distinction. So it's actually how they use the language and understanding information about them. And what's fascinating is that you can understand so much demographic information a lot of times educational information a lot of times right the beliefs and value systems what's interesting now versus when I studied this a decade ago is of course the advent and introduction of AI based text so that's definitely is like the next evolution of of how do we do authorship with you know a i scrubbed and put together uh you know blog posts or things like this, but typically where we're looking at authorship is in legal cases where there is a short list of suspects and a number of known texts or things that they authored, and then there is linguistic evidence in the case, and the idea is to understand this we use this concept of the linguistic fingerprint so to match whoever the, whoever the culprit might be by understanding the suspect's uh, way of using language and then matching it to the linguistic evidence that's in the case.
1: Okay, so you started with Unabomber. Give me the bridge <laughs> from Unabomber and forensics around a suspect. And take me across the bridge to get to sexy self-actualized. How (laughs) can we possibly go from one place to another? I am curious. I know everybody else is.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I guess that's probably not where anyone was expecting this to (laughs) be.
1: Yeah, we're all shocked. (laughs) (laughs) We're all just thinking. Ooh, this okay, is cool. well, this is, this is I amazing.
0: absolutely adore, and I think at the core of everything that I care about and everything I do is connection and mm-hmm. growing up, it was human connection. I grew up in a very, very mixed family, diverse in many, many ways um, beyond demographics, and there was this desire I had to be a bridge. When I would see people where I grew up in Delaware at the time, it was like, there were white people and there were black people. And if you were anything else, it was like question mark. (laughs) And so of course we were very mixed. And I have two older sisters who we are literally three different skin colors, different eye colors, different hair colors. And we had three very different experiences in childhood simply because of what we looked like we were raised with the same values in the same household, but the world projects these different things onto us. And so I became very fascinated with understanding how to connect with all types of people. When I discovered language, and in particular, how language connects to the belief sets and what's going on more deeply for people, I was like, oh, must pursue this path. (laughs) In undergrad, I did sociolinguistics, which is uh, understanding nuances and variations of language within a culture. And I studied a lot of different languages. I speak a number of different languages. But I moved to forensic linguistics when the professor that I worked with basically introduced me to the field because it was new at the time. I was the first woman of color to graduate with this degree. So I always loved novelty. I was like, "Oh, something new, adventure, ding, ding, excitement. But what really sold me on studying it at all was this idea that I could use my passion to serve justice and to support whether it was exonerating someone or, you know, serving, serving justice in the way we typically think about it. So that's how I got into it. Now, how I got out of it
1: was. <laughs> yeah, how did you get on this podcast? I had a feeling that wasn't just one small step.
0: <laughs> yeah, how I got out of it was, and I remember this very well, there was a day, so I mentioned we studied with the FBI linguist, um, James Fitzgerald. Hey, Jim. Oh. Um, and there was a day in the class where we were looking at evidence for a case and the evidence in the case, the linguistic evidence in the case was... The language on the wall, the blood-stained language on the wall of the victim. This was where the words were, right? So this is where the linguists would do the analysis. And I was like, no, we're not, not no. There are lots of ways to use my passion and (laughs) lots of ways to serve. And something's got to change. This is heavy, right? It ended there. Heavy.
1: What'd you say? It end right
0: there, right then. I had a little more time with it, but that was that was a, definitely a turning point. Like, mm. <laughs> I feel like I've worked in, I feel like I've had many careers in a very short period of time. So I actually went to um, trade show, corporate trade shows, where I was an interpreter for uh, a number of healthcare companies, tech companies. And I loved this because I got to travel the world. I got to use my languages, right? And and use it to connect with people and build rapport within seconds and then tell them the exciting thing that my client was offering. I also loved this challenge of using different languages in every moment. So typically I'd be, if not the only, one of the few people on the floor that spoke the languages I did. So wow. sometimes I'd have a little line that was like, okay, there's this Brazilian um you know lead over here and then over and then after you finish talking to that person there's a turkish doctor and can you also make sure that uh these italians over here get some support i just thrived and had this thrill of challenging my brain to just switch back and forth and sometimes when i got super super busy i would actually bring people from similar languages together and blend. <laughs> so we did some portugol, Spanish and Portuguese. Okay. Uh, sometimes I blended Spanish and Italian because I'm like, I've seen it, we'll understand each other, we got this, <laughs> and that brought me great joy. Until that, I realized that there was there was more. There's, there was a superficiality where I couldn't really go deep with people, right? Because I was representing these Fortune 500 clients and talking about whatever they wanted me to talk about, right? That led me to also coinciding with my own personal development journey that I call my spiritual awakening. Realizing that a big part of my purpose here is to support healing. And this is when I uncovered the lineage of medicine women that I come from. This is when I connected to my ancestors for the first time and really understood the depths of the gifts that I believe we all, all humans have access to, but the gifts that are already activated and in use. And I actually remember when the weekend I had this spiritual awakening, calling every woman in my family to say, hey, so I know that, you know, that <laughs> you also have this ability. I didn't mean to be confrontational. I was really just wanting to understand Um, And so I asked each of them kind of this, like, what are you choosing to do with it? Anything? Question mark. The common denominator I remember was this unspoken fear about using it. And I think this is, this comes up a lot with intuition because there's this idea of one, the concept of people being quote, quote, crazy. If they have information, that's not. Uh, quote logical or can't be proven etc and then also the very live real experience of people who were killed for this type of power and knowledge in history and I understood as I was stepping into this that there was a lot here some some baggage some trauma around it but more importantly, I understood that it was work I was here to do. That transition led me into first coaching. And I was a love and relationship coach at first. Because this is actually something I used to get people when I was 10 years old. I used to get adults coming to me asking for advice that did not even in the moment I didn't think twice, but in retrospect, I'm like, what? what but anyway so clearly that was still that today (laughs) what'd you say and people still do that today very true yeah but as as a 10 year old who had never dated anybody that was uh interesting right but but a sign for me when i reflected on it so i started with love and relationship coaching and then i realized when i was coaching people that there was this common thread of not being willing to express one's full self mm. out of fear. Nobody ever came in with that that as being a main problem or, you know, perceived problem for them. But it would always come up. And there I moved into expression and leadership coaching, detaching and dismantling these internalized beliefs. I did that for a number of years. Here's what happened. One day... <laughs> <laughs> At a Labor Day party, which was actually called an emotional labor day party wow I, I had it. it's a funny story oh. <laughs> oh. I had this experience where i by the way, I got to this party knowing nothing about quote emotional labor. I was like, it's a Labor Day <laughs> party, we're gonna have fun <laughs> anyway, so we're in this mansion of all kinds of different people plucked from every echelon of society. everyone kept talking about like, whoa. It's a really interesting group of people, (laughs) but beautiful, beautiful people. And there came a point a few hours into the party where the host, my friend, and I think her partner at the time, sat everyone down in the main room for the, quote, emotional part, which they simply asked people to kind of share at their own choice whenever they wanted what was going on. For them, if they had, you know, emotional whatever. I had no intention to share. I was listening, I was enjoying. It. And after probably the fifth person, as I'm just sitting there in this place, I get this kind of message or hit or something lands in my brain that says, make sound for the room. And I'm like, what? <laughs> in my head, of course, like, huh? And the very second, that I get confused about what I heard. The hosts point to me and go, oh, Lisara, would you like to share next? And I was like, I thought we weren't calling on people. You said you weren't gonna call on anybody. (laughs) And I thought, okay, okay, this is supposed to happen. Got it, cool. And so I gathered myself with zero idea of what I was about to say or do. But there were only, each person was given 60 seconds. So I'm like, whatever it is, in a minute, it'll be over. (laughs) Okay. I think I just said something to the effect of, "I'm been guided to make sound," <laughs> uh, and maybe I said one other line, and then I closed my eyes and I just started to allow sound through my voice, and as soon as I did, information just started flying. This room of people who I did not know, with the exception of my partner and the host, all of a sudden I was just receiving information from their energy fields about what, what was going on with them, who they were, what emotions they were feeling, all of these different things. And I was channeling the sound. And what came through so strongly that day was this uh, current of grief. I remember at the end of my, whatever, 45 seconds of this, saying that this is for those who are grieving right now. And when I opened my eyes, I could see who it was for because there were just red faces with streams and streams and streams of tears down their faces. And it was such a palpable moment. I remember a few of the people who were close to me put their hand on me afterwards because they could see the energy that was moving through me to do that. And it was this experience that had me realize, oh, okay. This, (laughs) this right here, this is this is what I'm, I am to be doing. This is what I choose to be doing. That led to the creation of sexy sound healing, where each week I channel sound. So this is what I call vocal channeling. You mentioned in the bio, we channel sound, and there are also you know kind of standard. Uh, sound healing instruments as well. But the channeling supports the clearing of energetic and emotional blocks. So often in the personal development space, there's this discussion around manifesting and getting the goal and going to the next place and having more and all of this. And, And I would say in society as overall, there is less of a focus and definitely less of a celebration around the concept of letting go. And releasing, Mm. which is required in order to have the space to bring in more, to bring on a new identity, to step into a new place that you want to be and grow in your life. For the sound healing, having this combination of instrumentation that supports the, the feeling of groundedness and supports the feeling of that connection that can call in more. Plus the release to actually create space for it has been game changing and life changing, not just for me, but now for hundreds of our members and clients, the last bridge here to sexy self actualized. (laughs) Yeah, that was my next question. (laughs) There are these ideas about sound healing. Sound healing is, you know, something that's meditative and you listen to it and People think it sounds like elevator music and other people think mm-hmm. it sounds like music and you need to be quiet and sit still and take it in and be good at meditating in order to receive healing. And none of those things have to be true exclusively. A big portion of what I really wanted people to understand is that sound healing and more specifically frequency and energy mm-hmm. are gateways into accessing this place in ourselves where we can experience spiritual development, uh, mental strength, physical embodiment, and ultimately this self-actualization. To that effect, the old coach me (laughs) combined with healer me (laughs) and my incredible partner who produces our body of work inside Sexy Sound Healing that merges sounds of mainstream music with uh, scientifically proven healing frequencies so that you can be, you know, bump to some music and still get healing. You don't have to sit still. You don't have to be quiet. We have plenty of meditative music, but we also want people to be able to experience healing regardless. So it was really important for me to have all of these different entry points and access points for people to be able to heal trauma, to experience the fullness and potential of themselves, to understand it intellectually, and then actually learn to embody it in the world for inside out prosperity. And the sexy self-actualization curriculum is going to support people to do that in addition to these on-demand sound healings and frequencies and personalized channelings every week
1: now can i ask you a question this is one question that just popped up for me how do you get a person who is immersed in the current culture and society and societal norms and gotta get goals done gotta achieve have to do the thing how do you get them to go from outside in prosperity to inside out prosperity and what does that also get them
0: Mm -hmm. Mm I love that I love your curiosity (laughs) (laughs) curiosity is so sexy it opens spaciousness thank you for this question this is so important and to what I said earlier about how society places very little value on the concept of letting go and releasing, I believe there's a reason for that. Because when you realize that you can let go of the beliefs that you've internalized, that keep you feeling stuck, that keep you feeling like your value and your worth comes from outside of you, that keep you feeling like you have to work mm. hard and toil. And the more you work hard and toil and feel exhausted the quote better you are which are absolute distortions right there's a very fine but clear difference between being in the work of something because it's it's your passion and you love it versus creating a lot of times an unconscious or subconscious dread because you are pushing yourself because you believe that pushing yourself is connected to your safety, is connected to your sense of value, is connected to your ability to receive love or to belong, right? It is so crucial that we learn to dismantle, that we learn to detach from these ways of thinking and being. And to your point, that's the sea that we're swimming in in society. That's what we are raised into in most mainstream, quote, modern cultures of the world. And so there has to be a point at which we choose consciously to review these things we've internalized and to remove them from our lives, mm-hmm. to let them go, to literally begin to think act, be in the world in a different way. And so that requires a process of letting go. It also requires a a value on the idea of letting go. And again, a complete detachment from what is perceived to be valuable and uh, the ideas of what makes one worthy. And so this process of detaching comes in so many different ways. You know, at an emotional level, physical level, intellectual level, being able to catch yourself and know thyself well enough to go, ooh, that belief is not mine. That belief was handed to me. It's, yeah, why am I telling myself I need to contort right now in order to fit in or in order to think that I'm going to be, quote, good enough, right? And what makes this really difficult is that, especially if you're in a workplace or an institution It's being reinforced, right? Because it is of that culture. And so we have to remove ourselves enough. I'm not saying quit your job, okay? (laughs) Hear me out, folks. (laughs) We have to be able to remove ourselves enough mentally and emotionally. Eventually, physically, I'm going to say. Doesn't Mm -hmm. mean you have to quit your job, Mm -hmm. but it means you need to be able to physically stand in the difference if you want to live in a different way eventually. But to be able to remove ourselves from that and immerse ourselves in a space where we have the opportunity to claim sovereignty around our own belief systems, sovereignty around what is true, sovereignty around not judging oneself based on how we are socialized to judge ourselves and believe that we're not enough, so we have to buy the next thing, et cetera, et cetera but make this switch from everything that matters is outside of me to, well, let me check out what's in here. (laughs) What's going on here inside me. Oh, wow. That came through me. Cool. Right. And it's a practice. And not only is it a practice, but it is also something that, you know, the muscle that you build from this space is also easier life hack when you gather in community with other people who are normalizing it, It because we humans are social beings. So when we hang out with other people, just the same way you got the first ideas that you believed in childhood, (laughs) you were hanging out with people, right? (laughs) So in that same way, you wanna put yourself in a community or a space where you're experiencing what you want to be or how you want to act as the norm. Because your subconscious will immediately start to go, oh, right, and do the processing without you even thinking about it, such that you find yourself taking actions you would never have taken in the old identity or the old ways of thinking, right? Because it is normal, quote unquote, because that's what you've put yourself in. So detaching and the power of community are two big ones. This episode is brought to you by Sexy Sound Healing, the audio streaming platform revolutionizing the sound healing experience. This multi-genre music is engineered with scientifically proven healing frequencies that support everything from optimized brain function and trauma release to intuitive development and spiritual liberation, and yes, sensual pleasure, so that you can energize your body, activate your voice, and embody your power. Visit sexysoundhealing.com today to get your free trial.
1: Sexy self-actualized really is driven by the idea that you should embody your true nature. So, how do you do that? How do you do that day to day? You're in you're in a job that, I guess, where you know half the people don't believe what you believe, mm. and you and because everybody's here we obviously know that they they know something's not quite right they know that they're searching for something i know a lot of people i work with are searching for something that's more authentic yeah. because what's happening right now in their day to day just is not it so how does sexy self actualized help somebody to still do their routine but not do it in a routine way do it in a way that's just true to their true nature
0: Mm. and and
1: still be able to survive just be able to survive day to day be able to make you know make the house note make the mortgage and but yet still go do the work to become truly yourself to really embody that nature
0: yeah a big part of this uh detaching one of the things you said in this question was when you're I don't remember the exact words, but (laughs) when you're at work or you're surrounded by people who believe completely different things, etc. And when we move from this space of being informed and influenced and impacted by the world Mm. around us to learning how to source with what's within us and learning, and not just learning intellectually, but understanding internalizing and integrating this Mm -hmm. truth that we are the creators of our lives. We are the creators of our perception of what's happening around us. Mm -hmm. The only way an experience changes is when we perceive the same experience differently, which is possible.
1: And they used to talk a
0: lot about this in the context of decolonization in particular, where the world around says, oh no, you're the victim. You are the victim. Okay. <laughs> that's That has a strong hold, especially when something is attached to identity. When we detach from things, systems, ideas that have not been supportive, a lot of times it requires a shift in identity. And so we look at what are your attachments to your identity? And what does your identity actually mean? Because you can have the same identity, but have it mean something else, which means that you perceive the world in a different way and you can show up in a different way. We have four pathways on the medicine wheel when we talk about sexy self-actualization. And I just spoke of one of them, which is the, the detaching and dismantling. Another is the sovereignty. We call it sovereign seduction. Uh, That has a whole thing to unpack and understand, but sovereign seduction and energetic mastery. You are in your sovereignty. You don't need the person next to you to believe the same thing you believe in order to show up, to stay in your power, to affirm yourself. And I know that's probably sounds all easy, right? Easier than <laughs> easier said than done. But this is this is the shift. When we are operating from sovereignty, meaning full ownership of self, full and complete affirmation of self that does not need external validation. This is where we give ourselves the space to even discover what our true nature is. And then to begin in the practice of learning to embody it in a way that, that feels good, that feels energizing and enlivening because it's your nature. There's this natural flow of energy, of life force energy. This is what we call sexy and the sexy self. When you connect to this part of you, the truth of you. Right, which comes when we've cleared away all the other stuff that we were taught, right? That was thrown on top of us through socializing, through socialization. We have this whole new reserve of energy that we want to use to suppress and repress and stuff down the things that we were taught weren't okay. So we access this whole new wealth of resource, of inner resource. And then with practice, and again, really supporting, having people that support you and affirm you Mm. in this new space, because in some ways, it's a little bit like being an infant, (laughs) you know, an infant in a new identity. It's a a vulnerable space because it's new and it needs the, the reinforcing. And so as mentioned, you can reinforce by yourself. Absolutely. It's easier because humans are social beings to have it reinforced in community. It can move a little faster. But when you have this experience of building the muscle of of being yourself, of trusting yourself to be yourself, and then trusting yourself to be yourself, no matter what space you're in. And this is a lifelong journey. You can hear it right in the concept. This is where you really anchor in this way of being that is inside out versus outside in.
1: You know, as you were talking, I was thinking that most of the people we all, like we, the global we, the societal we, (laughs) the people that everybody seems to love and follow as leaders i'm thinking they must know you they must know a little tiny piece of this of the sexy self-actualization because even though we're worried about being judged by other people for being ourselves we really love watching people be themselves uh-huh. am, I right? am i
0: right it's like it's such
1: a, i mean is it hypocritical or what am i am i missing
0: something Right. That's the thing. It's exciting to see because a few things, I believe. One, they're doing the thing, right? They're doing the thing we're afraid to do, right? So there's that. Two, and this goes back to the importance of of the natural element of this, of embodying the nature. There is a life force energy that is flowing and is more immediately accessible and available to be noticed, right? Whether you consciously notice this or not, there is an aliveness about this person that attracts, that magnetizes not only people and opportunities, probably money and attention, etc., right? But also penetrates, meaning that when you are around someone like this, and many celebrities carry this because it's, it's an energy they've needed to learn to manage and embody. If you think about, if you've ever been in a space where somebody just walked into the space, in the room, wherever, and just took it over (laughs) proverbially with their energy, it is because they are connected to something flowing within themselves. They don't have to look like stereotypical versions of beauty. They don't have to be famous or have the money. It is an embodiment that is simply connection to self. And I will say that this can be faked, right? There are plenty of people who put on a good show and then it's over and they're depressed and all this stuff. (laughs) Um, But there's there's a presence that we can feel authentically within someone when they are connected to this.
1: Mm-hmm. Totally could see that. I have to tell you in some of my coaching sessions, in fact, many of them we record so that the person could go back to the content and be able to review their work. Yeah. But one of the most amazing things is to have the person compare themselves at their first session side by side with how they look at their last or most recent session Mm. and 90% of the time there's such a huge difference that not only can they see it but everybody around them sees it exactly I think about even you know Oprah if you think about her back in the 80s she had a a certain it's it's not a physical thing it's not not somebody being pretty versus ugly versus attractive versus anything else but she has a sense of something that's just different with time. If you just mm-hmm. watch the timeline and it's not just makeup and, and Photoshop, but there's something, <laughs> there's just something, or maybe it is, I don't know. Maybe it is, <laughs> but, there, but there are people that I know face-to-face, you know, that I can, I could say for a fact, I can see them in front of me and see a difference from a year ago
0: mm-hmm.
1: if they if they do this self-actualization work, if they allow themselves to be sexy and authentic and and do all the things, you see the difference.
0: Yeah, totally. I would actually say that there's a physicality, not the superficiality that I believe you're referring to, but there's a physiological change. Right. That's the one. Be, right. Because there there are chemical, neurochemical changes. There are Actual things that move and shift cell- on the cellular level inside of us when we connect to this place. And if you've ever had the experience of just finding immense joy in something and then maybe seeing someone who's known you for a long time and they're like, you look great. It's not because you're just happy for a moment. It's because you're accessing something That is activating an energy through you, and I actually remember when I was coaching toward the end of it, when I knew I was I was meant to move on. It did. It felt heavy, right? Because I knew it wasn't aligned with my authentic truth in terms of my next step. And uh, one of my clients who I'd worked with the longest, actually, she saw me after I did one of the first uh, virtual sound spas that we host in Sexy Sound Healing. She's also a Sexy Sound Healing member. And I took a, a behind the scenes picture afterwards so people could see, you know, the whole setup we have of all the instruments. And it's so cute too, because the sound bowls have our different colors and I was in something fun. And she messaged me after seeing this picture and said, you look 10 years younger. You know, I looked at the picture, I was like, she's right. Isn't it amazing how much energy it it
1: gives back to you when you don't have to fight yourself? Ah, you know what I mean? yes. I mean, I really I think that's what it is.
0: That's that's it. Exactly. I interviewed someone for the podcast uh that you'll hear soon who is an emotional navigation coach and i'm talking to this man i'm thinking this man i don't know 29 to 35 somewhere in the episode it comes out that he's 51 and i'm like <laughs> what and i, I mentioned this you'll hear you'll hear it in the podcast but it's <laughs> it's incredible because it's such a testament to this person works around releasing emotion right there's no place to get stuck and stagnant when you are allowing your emotions to run through you and so many of us have been raised with this idea that one it's only okay to show a certain emotion and two all the other emotions make you a bad person or you know chain have us have a different perspective perspective of you that we're going to judge you so doesn't have a place and goodness this is very much my childhood that's how I got to Writing lyrics and songs was in the dark at night when everyone was asleep, when I could engage my true feelings. But without that place to release them, it's weighing us down. And it, and the way that can show up is aging or the appearance of premature aging. What's important here isn't the like youth versus, hear, hear me clearly, it's about vitality and the aliveness, which gets to happen at all ages. And so when we align ourselves with the natural flow of energy within us, which means connecting to our truth, expressing it, and also releasing stuff, letting go of stuff, physical stuff, mental stuff, emotional stuff, we have got to learn as a people, as a world, the value of letting go when it is time for something to die, when it is time for something to, to be gone. I don't know if you remember this. You said this to me once. Uh Oh, yep. Uh-oh. You said this to me once years ago and it <laughs> stayed with me. I was going to, oh, what was I going to do? Some gig job that was not aligned around presenting. So presenting is cause I love being in front of an audience. But the people and the the space, uh-uh, absolutely not. I was talking to you about it one day because I was kind of on the fence. You said something to me to the effect of, are you keeping a job from somebody else? And I was like, <gasps> that, that sounds like me.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> and even though a version of me today would be like, gosh, that feels like scarcity or whatever. That was exactly what I needed to hear in the moment because what it said to me was this is not the aligned thing for you and this is the perfect thing for somebody else. Mm-hmm. And so while I could feel like oh guilt about not taking this job because da 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 why Mm-hmm. And and I want to also say that I can hear the sound of privilege in this. And at the time, money was a proper concern. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I decided that, and I've always known this subconsciously, but that was probably when I made a more conscious choice that my health was always going to come first. Because if I'm dead, it doesn't matter what money's coming mm-hmm. in or not, period. That's right. It. And realizing that I actually subconsciously already had that truth within me. And then you kind of activating it through <laughs> that phrase that helped me realize, oh, not only will this be better for me to say no, but it will be better for the people, that, that company. It'll be better for whoever does take that role, who will be thrilled to have it, right? That, that setup of that work is perfect for so many people that are not me. <laughs> and it's better for us
1: because we would never heard your tantalizing sounds it's true yeah I mean imagine how the world the world is different because you embodied this work you embodied you you embodied your true nature you know you know you got connected and and acted on it and I don't think that's privilege I think that's that's a duty it's that's Mm. a responsibility to yourself and the world
0: I feel that thank you yeah. So and I know about- that sexy self-actualized and sexy sound healing are completely novel concepts, merging some familiar things, but to com- create completely different things. And even the idea of what is sexy, right? Uh, I And so many times, oh, so many times I was like, maybe I could call Whoa. it something else. Maybe it could have, a diff- maybe it doesn't have to have sexy in the name. Was that fighting against your true nature? Uh-huh.
1: <laughs> I just, want to know, just just so I know what it looks like. I, I've seen that myself.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it's a battle. <laughs> it needed to be sexy. Because we're also supporting the the redefining and the reclamation of it. I am a catalyst. I am someone who initiates people and creates things that have never existed. That is literally part of my. Genetic or DNA or some type of coding <laughs> within me, and I activate this in others. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. This is what I'm here to do. This is what I'm meant to do, and I would have never come to it if I had been stuck doing whatever those people were asking in the way they were asking. Ugh! I roll. <laughs> so true. Thank you.
1: That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, how does a frequency? Tell me. How does sound and frequency impact any of this? like how does it really work? Tell me how I'm it. so
0: glad you asked because this is all of it. <laughs> Simple breakdown is this: the universe, the world, and we're talking from a physics perspective here, science perspective <laughs> the world and universe is over ninety nine percent energy, right so your hand, your hair, your face, your body are amalgamations of energy that are moving together okay everything you experience around you your chair something that seems inanimate these are bunches of energy in one space everything is energy everything is energy energy happens in waves and particles and so if you think about maybe not the the most fun example but it's coming to mind if you've ever seen the beep beep of life support and you can see the line going up and down up and down this is looking at oscillations right this is oscillations these are waves and so frequency happens and as mentioned particles and waves these waves the up and down are what uh um, we call frequency. So a higher frequency means that there are more oscillations within a second, and a slower frequency means that there are less. Now for folks who are like, hashtag high vibes only, I wanna break it down for you that that is not always true from the frequency perspective. In fact, when we look at binaural beats, or bringing the brain into the theta state alpha, places where we can experience great healing, places where we actually go every night for sleep or whatever time you sleep. These are actually very slow, very slowed down waves. Frequency is crucial because everything happens at a frequency. The language we use, the way we move, The colors of our clothing, what we see around us, everything is frequency because everything is energy, right? Okay, great. And the reason that we use sound to access uh, or as an access point here is that most people have an understanding of, let's say, the concept of music being powerful, right? We know when we listen to music, we hear it and we also consciously feel it. Because sound is also felt. The vibration is also felt. So we listen to a sound when we're pissed off and we're like, and we're raging to this thing. And it's meeting us exactly where we are in the moment. Right? <laughs> or conversely, we might go, I want to feel calm, yeah. right? And we put on meditative music or something else. And we're engaging both sound and feeling. Also, our bodies are actually better equipped to perceive sound than they are to perceive sight. When we are in the womb, our sensors in our ears are first to develop, right? The eyes are closed shut. There's, you know, fluids sealed shut, but the ears are getting activated. They're feeling the mother or the surrogate mother's heartbeat, right? They're hearing it. They're feeling it. They're experiencing that. We have more neural pathways between our ears and our brain than our eyes and our brain. So we are also wired physically and physiologically to better perceive through sound. And so how this translates is that because of these things and also the fact that our bodies are mostly water and sound travels very well through water, what this means is that we experience the impact of frequency without needing to think or try or do it is involuntary. It is nature, right? Just like we don't have to think for the heart to beat or for our, for ourselves to breathe. We do not need to think to be impacted by frequency. So we are offering frequencies that are known to support specific kinds of healing and specific types of restoration of harmony to the body, mind, spirit, energy field so that people can can self-optimize for high performance, for self-actualization, for healing and releasing and clearing. And I'll seed plant this for later. There are, just like there are frequencies that support us, there are frequencies that do not. And those are known and those are very used in society and in the world. So you are actually, if you're using the internet, you're kind of constantly bombarded with unhealthy frequencies. And so it's really important for the restoration of balance to experience yourself in a place where you are bringing yourself back into that alignment.
1: Is that immediate? So does that happen? Let's say if you want to reach a certain state, does it happen the moment
0: you hear that sound or you feel that that music? It, it depends. There is this concept of bioresonance where eventually two items or items, <laughs> two beings will begin to create resonance with each other. So if you experience like a best friend or someone you spend a lot of time with, and then you realize that you start to do similar things and people start to think you look alike, even though you actually don't look alike, things like this. (laughs) Um, That's a funny example, but it's this concept of how we come into resonance with each other. If you're listening to a specific sound, depending on you, it might Uh, take a little bit longer say if you are in resistance to something right and because your mind can override right your experience if you're going to stay stuck in anxiety and you are not moving from it no matter what because you've unconsciously perhaps or even consciously chosen to be there right Mm -hmm. think about the person who's like just angry there's angry and they're just going to be angry. <laughs> and that's often connected to an identity level attachment, right? So these, this is why these, these ways of detaching are so important. But when somebody can bring themselves or is open to, I'll say, is open to receiving, because that part's important, is open to receiving, it can happen faster. And I do want to reiterate that there's also involuntary effect. So a lot of this happens completely unconsciously where people are getting blasted through technology, through 5G, et cetera, with super harmful energies and their bodies are wreaking havoc as a result. And that's not a conscious choice. It's just like, that's what happened. Because that's how nature works. And it goes, comes to, choosing frequencies that are going to support your healing, knowing what they are, there's an empowered consciousness that supports you being able to integrate it with better ease.
1: One of the things I was thinking about as you were saying that is, I know that through sexy, self-actualized, you're using the music, you're using the the vibe. And I always think about, you know, sexy always, uh, is it a two-way street? So I do want to know, do you have to have somebody else there to be sexy, (laughs) self-actualized?
0: Oh my God. That's great. This is a good time to clarify what sexy means. (laughs) Obviously we enjoy ourselves, uh, in great company as I understand and define sexy This is not specific to sex. We can enjoy it in sex, of course, or with another. Sexy is what many people call vital life force energy. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. it is an energy that enlivens and makes you feel alive when you're connected to it. Makes you feel this sense of, and it shows up differently for different people. It might be, this feeling of just freedom and liberation, or it might feel like being carefree. It might feel like, you know, people feeling juicy and yummy and feeling special or feeling just bold and powerful and big, as big as they energetically are. My understanding of sexy and what the sexy self is, is the self that is most connected to this flowing life force energy that's not stagnant or stuck because we're pushing something down, but because we're allowing it through us.
1: When you say the word juicy, I'm always thinking about a fruit. Uh, So what's a sexy sound for a watermelon? (laughs) Okay. Now is there a different one for a cantaloupe?
0: Oh my god! <gasps> <laughs> All right, I gotta put my hands together for gotta this. Bring one. it, gotta bring stay. it, <laughs> cantaloupe.
1: Okay, I could buy that. I could buy that. <laughs> <laughs> So, if you had to say the word grind in a sexy way, how would you say the word
0: rind like an orange rind? Rind. Oh, my mind just went to this song. It's not rind, it's grind, but (laughs) oh my god, who sings that song? baby grind on me relax your mind and take your time with me so something 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 body is awake something 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 (laughs) but okay i digress (laughs) how about the words uh oh
1: say it again do it again
0: the right okay
1: okay so stay on the orange theme how about the word slice Like an orange slice or lemon slice, Mm. slice, slice. Do it with more feeling. Do it. (laughs) Use you one more time. One more time. Slice. All right. All right. Let's see what you're doing there. Let's see. You got it. Y'all, she
0: judging my sexy? (laughs) What's happening? What's going on here?
1: Um, what? Oh
0: Oh, It's
1: awesome. You've been practicing. I could tell. (laughs) I have not. I mean, okay,
0: maybe, you know, I've been practicing (laughs) just living life as my sexy self. Okay.
1: That's true. You don't have to practice doing that. You you just, you just do what you do.
0: That's true. You know what it is? It's the practice of ensuring that I'm not leaving the sexy self. Mm. And going back to the ways of society. Mm. I'm glad you said that. That's an important distinction. I like that. Catching where I'm not being the sexy self and coming back home. I've had a blast and I've
1: learned so much. I can't wait to see what else you have to come out with. So you guys, if you need to look below, I know she has a lot of really great information for you with this podcast. So I'm going to sign off and hand it back to Lasara
0: to close us out. Thank you so, so, so much, Marina, (laughs) my godmother, Linda Dyson. So glad you joined us for today's episode. I wanna hear from you. What were your takeaways? Do you have questions, aha moments, perhaps a favorite quote or sound? Let us know in the comments below, or you can visit us on our social media sites, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook. Now, if you're not already, make sure you hit the follow button if you're listening on spotify if you're listening on apple podcasts hit that plus button and if you can potentially see me right now talking to you on youtube make sure you subscribe to our channel so that you are updated every time we release a new episode and also when i go live with q a's i cannot wait to connect with you talk to you soon